Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always by my good friend and partner in radio, Ronald J. Martin. And Big R, it's just the two of us today. It's like the old reformatory days, baby, hearkening back to a simpler time and uh, television and internet media. Uh, back when you and I were living the dream in uh, the Manhattan of East Central Indiana, Fort Wayne. Um, those were some magical years. But, baby, this is a magical year in that uh, I'm sitting here in my studio just overwhelmed by the, the powerful smell of leather. Mm. Uh, and I'm looking over my shoulder at this bag that I, I got to be honest with you, baby. Like, for the last couple of weeks, I've just I've been trying to be the kind of man who's worthy of this bag. You know what I mean? It's, it's a hard place to get to, and you're probably you're probably even afraid to take it out of the house at this point. Am I? Maybe am it's I right out of the house. The... I've been taking it to All work. Right. Um, I feel but like it it's... just doesn't. It, you haven't. You haven't like. You really haven't formed yourself around it yet, have you? It's the, is that what it is? It's the kind of bag. You know what? It makes me better. I, I feel like it just <laughs> it makes it makes me better as a person. It's the one bag to which nobody can say you're better than that. That's that's it, man. That's it. So I'm trying to live up to the. To the grandeur of this bag, and I'm, of course, talking about the great company Saddleback Leather, uh, with whom we have a business relationship now, Ronald. And uh, before yes. I get into the the parameters, the ins and outs of that relationship, I want you to talk to me about uh, some of the Saddleback products that you're enjoying. Yeah, so I think I have... What was the name of your bag? Because I think I have the same Dude, bag. Dude, it's, you... it's called the Flight Bag, yeah, which was kind of an homage to my pops, because my dad was a pilot for many, many years. So that. yeah, this oh. reminds me of, of the original Big T. Uh, yeah, and so I got the uh, I got the flight bag like I got it like about a year and a half ago when they first announced it, mm-hmm. and they were ha- they had a deal on it. Mm. So I was able to I was able to pay only I think forty five hundred dollars. <laughs> there you than, go. Like, wow, fifty one hundred dollars. You only had to it. take yeah. two extra mortgages out on your house right, there. Exactly. In yeah, yeah, no, that's good. And then uh, and then I got another. I, I got like a a smaller version of it, which is really great because it's lighter and I can fit in just like my phone, nice. my charger, and a couple of other things like a notepad kind of a thing. There you go, baby. And then uh, and then Big M. Um, we got her like the uh, what? What did we get you? Which one did we order for you? It was like it was like a ba- so it's like the leather chestnut backpack and dude, this piece is beauteous, man, mm, mm. just beautiful. I mean, I can almost smell it right now, and it's like in a closet halfway across the room, dude. Right, you man. Like that? I walk into my hallway at work, and literally, like no exaggeration, I can smell this thing from down the hall. Absolutely, it just makes man. My, it's yeah, it makes my heart whole, leap with joy, baby. So yeah, it's not it's not Union College, man. It's like Saddleback College. It's Saddleback University at this point. Exactly. Like they're just taking over. But uh, baby, I want to tell our listeners about a special offer that they can get through Saddleback. So uh, if they visit if they visit saddlebackleather.com slash happy rant. So we have our own dedicated page uh, in the Saddleback Leather universe. So if they go to saddlebackleather.com slash happy rant, they can sign up for a giveaway of five different items. Uh, and this giveaway is open through the end of October. They can also find the link at happyrantpodcast.com. So Saddleback purveyors of fine leather goods. So they have shoulder bags. They have luggage. They have backpacks, mm. very high-end backpacks, high-end wallets. Uh, unbelievable stuff. Uh, really fine craftsmanship and engineering goes into each of these products. Um, they are just in the interest of full, full disclosure, Ronald. They are unspeakably expensive. Okay, so oh, hundred percent, right? In the but same way, what, yeah, yeah. But you get what you pay for, dude. You right? get what you so pay if you for, want, yeah. 
if you want a forever bag, yeah. if you want like an over-engineered eternal, like I'm going to have this thing, like I'm, you know, someday, you know, for everybody that ever dreamed of being Indiana Jones and having one of those mm. bags that just gets all worn in because of all the trips you took overseas, you can have one by, by going to saddlebackleather.com. Baby, has a I mean, college professor ever looked sexier in a movie than Indiana oh, Jones? Oh, goodness. I feel like it's that movie insane. did more for the, it just, yeah. the, for the academic field than anything I've ever seen. I mean, just unbelievable. I mean, it makes me want to wear khakis every time I, I, I watch it. But then I remember what I do, and then I remember, oh, so it's different when I wear khakis in my vocation than when Indiana wore them. Dude, has there ever been a movie that's glamorized pastors? I feel like pastors always just get crapped on in movies just because Hollywood's yeah, pretty, so anti that. But uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was, that, there was that movie that came out. I never saw it. It was with Ethan Hawke last year. It was called First Reform. Baby, that thing is hot garbage. It's so oh, bad. Oh, you saw it. Yeah, it's really? so, so bad. It's, it's really... And, and hear this, man. Hear this, everyone. I love Ethan Hawke. I love Ethan Hawke. I love the 90s. He was Mr. 90s. Um, yeah. He's been in so many great films, but this was uh, this was a, a film made. That was by, not it, huh? No, this one was made by Paul Schrader, the taxi driver guy, um, and okay. he's a West Michigan guy. So, like, born and raised in West Michigan, and really in in the way of most West Michiganders, like super angry at the church. Um, uh, and he's okay. he's kind of still in that like. I'm a, so he's an anti-church guy making a church movie. That's weird. That never happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I feel like all anti-church guys who grew up either in like the Bible Belt South or in Grand Rapids, they have to make their like anti-church yeah. magnum opus. And, but then you get a guy that, that likes church this. and then you got like a Kirk Cameron movie. Like there's no in-between. Like we can't. Baby, we like <laughs> church. We could, we, we could make the in-between, you know? Can we bridge the gap? I would love bit. to bridge I know, the gap. That's what's crazy. So if anybody yeah. wants to finance that, like movie studio executives, if you're listening and I know you are. Um, yeah, for sure. Fund our movie. Second Reformed. Yeah, Second, Second Reformed, Reformed the sequel. First Reformed 2, <laughs> Second Reformed. I love it. Well, baby, it's apropos that we are talking about movies because I want to pivot into a movie discussion. And I want to give the listeners a little glimpse into our process. Um, so for every artist, every artist kind of has a process that they get into um, before they create. And for us, that included looking at the potential topics for this podcast and throwing all of them out. Uh, when we found out Piper wasn't going to be on the program, we both had that moment of realization where we realized, uh, I don't care about any of these topics necessarily. Uh, but there's one thing that you and I care deeply about, baby, mm. and it's Downton Abbey. Okay, so Correct. for those who Correct. aren't familiar, Downton Abbey was a, a long-running dramatic series on PBS, uh, Masterpiece Classics, Downton Abbey, and it was appointment viewing at our house. It was like, to me, one of the last shows that happened on real TV, like right before the streaming boom, like really hit. Mm. And it was one that we would, we would kind of race home on like Sunday evenings to watch down nabs. And it was an appointment thing for us. And I turned off Super Bowls for it. I turned off like Sunday night NFL games for it. It was a big deal. So, uh, I know you were also stoked to see the movie, the, the feature length film that just dropped. And we both went to see it independent of one another. Uh, but I can't wait to hear your take on it, baby, because we kind of teased some of this uh, off the air. So why don't you give me first, uh, I want to know the context that you saw the movie in. Um, did you see it with friends? Did you see it just with Big M or by yourself? And what were your expectations going in? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, so here's the deal. We have, there's like sort of a, a we've sort of formed a Downton Club at, uh, at Substance Church. Yeah. So this is a small group of people that are, Probably, maybe, if not, you know, to the extreme that I am pretty devoted to, mm -hmm. to, uh, to DA. Yeah. 
And uh, so we put together a big group. And it, by big group, I mean like about seven or eight of us. And we went to the theater and we saw, we saw Downton Abbs on, a, on Saturday night. Yeah. And um, so we've also, we also do this thing uh, on the – we also do this thing when, when we're not watching the movie because we start the series every like fall now. Sure. And so we, we invite people over and we just run through the series together and we do like a Downton night. It's so good. And people dude. come over and we just make some food. It's just super fun. Mm-hmm. We watch a couple eps. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so that's kind of what we did. We grabbed some of those people and we went and we saw the movie. Now, I'll be honest with you, man. Yeah. So here's where I'm at with it. Yeah. You know, I, I did not have, and I'm just saying, I don't want to bum anybody out, but yeah. I did not have great expectations for the movie. Yeah. I, wasn't, I, did, I wasn't really thinking much about it, to be honest. Sure. I was excited that it was coming out. But again, it, it makes me less excited that the series is now over because there's nothing, there's nothing to keep continuing on after the movie. So yeah. it kind of just bums me out a little bit in general because I wish it was still a series. Mm-hmm. So, when I go in, so going into the movie, I'm thinking, well, this is just a one-off. And knowing it's a one-off... Um, they got to tie everything up at the end. I understand that. And then at the end of the day, it's hard for me because when I saw what the premise was mm. on the trailer, mm. it was just that the king and queen were coming over. I was kind of like, this just feels like season four, episode six. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and, and so I went into uh, it. Yeah. I went into it thinking kind of, I, I went into it like not super excited based on the premise. Yeah. And also because they, they really tied everything up neatly in the series. There was almost, in a sense, like nothing left to resolve, and uh, so so my assessment of the movie, and I actually wrote about it um, when I when I got home. It was one of those movies that like I knew it really wouldn't be over for me until I wrote about it, and um, my assessment of it was that it was a it was a great experience, but a bad movie. And what I mean by Whoa. that is, uh, so Double K and I we actually dressed up right. So that day I taught classes. And I wore a, a blue velvet sport jacket that I have. Wow. And I wore it with an ascot. So I've got an ascot. Wow. I got the blue velvet jacket. KK wore a little flapper dress. And we went out to dinner. Had a little... You guys just did it up. Dude, we did it up. We had a little sushi. A little It's sushi. like dinner theater, Yeah, basically. it's like dinner theater. So we had a little sushi. And then we went to the theater where it was me, Double K, and like a dozen old ladies in this huge <laughs> theater. It was fantastic. <laughs> and old ladies are so polite and like... None oh, of the it was usual a beautiful experience. Yeah, none I'm of the sure. usual like yeah. dirtbaggery that happens in movie theaters. We'd have to worry about any of that. And yeah. uh, so it was a great experience in the sense that it delivered lots of the big like sweeping drone shots of the castle and yes. there were a couple just money to me shots like like Carson and Mrs. Hughes walking off into the sunset like yes. triumphantly out the front door at the end was so good. Um, so, so yeah, there were some, there were some big state, they made some big statements that really fit the big screen. They did, man. And so it delivered on that level. But dude, to me, the story was non-existent to me, baby. They, they took like the two or three least interesting characters in the entire history of the series and just leaned into them and gave them way too much screen time. And then there were other characters like Bates. Like I was a big Bates and Anna guy. And yes. Bates was barely on screen. He was on screen for barely. like thirty-five seconds, like holding a they kid. Bar- they made they didn't do anything with Bates. Remember that one scene where he's holding his son, yeah, his like his his young son. I mean, he was literally almost non-existent. He was man. non-existent was so in this, and so they took this incredible big ensemble cast that we had grown to know and love. And they pivoted away from that, and they introduced, like, six new people that nobody cares about. You know what I mean? So, like, the right. the whole yeah. royal family thing was a big deal. There was the cousin from, like, Parts Unknown with all the money who who came back, and it was kind of the typical, like, are we going to get a piece of the action inheritance-wise? Which I feel was the 
that that was sort of a driving moment in at least half the episodes in the in well, the it was series. baby, and here was so so strange. I wanted to ask you about yeah, that because yeah. like. I, like, where did that even... That felt, like, so, like, just off the beaten path. Yeah, dude, it was so you know strange I mean? to me. It hadn't... Like, I still... I barely still even understand what was happening with that. Baby, so you know I, mean? I want to run a, a scenario by you. This is the storyline that I feel like they should have leaned into hard. And I feel like it would have been beautiful and elegant and meaningful for people. Uh, but they did nothing with it. And it's as follows... Uh, so remember Barrow, Thomas Barrow, the kind of dirtbaggy, you know, skeevy, yeah. you know, butler guy who took over for yeah. Carson at the very end because the the implication at the very end of the series was that Carson was like have, yeah. having tremors, having health issues. And so Thomas uh, stepped in to become the butler of Downton, which was a huge deal. It was big. Now, to it me, it would have made all the sense in the world to make the movie about whether or not Thomas can like succeed in filling the shoes of Carson. You know, Carson was this legend in the industry, this legend at Downton, mm. um, ran the place with an iron fist, was amazing. I'm a huge Carson guy, by the way. Love Carson. Um, but Barrow, oh, yeah. man, they did the, they, they just instead, they did the kind of yawn, check your watch, the typical 2019 gay guy thing where like a gay guy can only ever be a gay guy in the movie like he can't have like a real vibrant storyline that that has anything to do with anything else so um they just Mm. gave barrow like 20 minutes where he was like you know being a gay guy and that that was all they gave him but to me that would have been the most interesting storyline in the whole thing it would have been absolutely yeah no i think i think you're onto something with that i think i think the pressure obviously the pressure was we got to bring carson back in Mm mm-hmm so the pressure was like, how do we get now that Carson's retired? How do we bring him back into the story because he's one of the most popular characters, and yeah. we got to bring him back in? But the way they did it, in my opinion, felt so unrealistic and flimsy. Well, in part because that. like, if Carson's body and his health was breaking down at the end of the old series, like they didn't even acknowledge that at all. It was just right. Like, he wasn't shaking. Hey, or Carson's back. He's healthy. Everybody. Yeah. He's going to sweep in and yeah. save the day. You know, which <laughs> right. I was thrilled to see Carson. Don't get me wrong. That was really fun. Of but, course. Yeah, um, of course. Dude, here's another here's another issue I had with the movie, and I want to get your take on this character from the series. I thought one of the most boring, aggravating characters in the whole series was Tom Branson. I was not mm. a Tom Branson guy. Okay. Um, he just struck me as very like whiny and one dimensional and kind of boring. But they turned Tom Branson into like the the guy that everybody went to for advice. In that you know he he single handedly and this is spoilers I guess, but. Um, but it's not spoilers because there's really no story that anyone would care about. But he single-handedly like saves the royal family based on one like six-minute inane conversation with uh, like the the queen's daughter. Um, right. Yeah. So so Tom Brance is just walking around like spitting wisdom through through the movie, and you're Which just kind of like, what he did during the series. I mean, really, that was his role in the series. That ended up becoming his role. It kind of became yeah. his role, but it was always really one-dimensional. You know, it was always really yeah. like. You, you never really bought it, or at least I never really bought it. Were you a Branson guy during the series? I mean, I, I, I probably liked him more than you did, mm-hmm. but I was, I'll tell you what, I was fascinated that he became one of the main characters because yeah. early on, you would have never guessed that in mm-hmm. a thousand years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, so whether you love him or hate him, it's, it's, kind, of, it's, it's kind of fascinating that, totally. that, uh, that, that the writer just sort of put him in the mix. You know what I now, mean? And again... All that stuff with Sybil and Matthew dying in the yeah. series. I mean, that obviously changed the game of the whole series. Dude, totally. They're like, we got to elevate Branson. You know, we it's, next, it's next man up. We got to take a reliever and make him a starter, you know. 
Um, we got to we got to bring him out of the bullpen and put him into the rotation. Pretty much. I mean, that's exactly what happened too. Yeah. It was weird because Branson felt. I mean, Branson as the chauffeur. I mean, there was nothing about his character that felt like he was going to emerge as sort of the one of the main stars. Yeah. I mean, arguably, like him and Mary are the two main stars of the were the two main stars of the series. Dude, which is you know crazy I mean? because I feel like Mary totally deserves it. Um, I feel like well, yeah, Mary was, she was fascinating. Sort of Dude, she was yeah. villainous, but she yeah. was so complex and layered and multidimensional. Yes. Whereas I feel like Branson was the opposite of all those things. And, and well, and, Branson, was, yeah, and yeah. Sybil really was too. Like Sybil was super boring. Um, I liked her again, like likable character, but really one dimensional, super boring. Um, I honestly felt that way about. I, I know this is blasphemous. I felt that way about Matthew. Dude, okay, so you I'm know? glad you said that. I totally felt that way the first time through. But as we've been rewatching the series, my appreciation of Matthew has grown. It's grown, yeah. Because okay. I feel like yeah. there's a lot of, of of him kind of swimming upstream in those early episodes, and him kind of finding this balance between not selling out. Okay, so like not selling out all of his idealism and his beliefs, but also really kind of growing to love and embrace the Downton Abbey lifestyle. Yes. And yes. I feel like that complexity in Matthew, was it was something I kind of missed the first time around. And, you know, just him going to war, him almost getting blown yeah. up, you know. Because you know what's so funny? Because you forget. That's so interesting because I, I the first time through, I really disliked season two, the war season. Yeah, yeah. And um, I felt like it just took us away from what Downton really was and yeah. how they established themselves the first season, right? Right. But you go back now, and I think you're totally on point because – Matthew's time in the war, it made him in it. It kind of it kind of gave him sort of the deep and rich character that he that he ended up having, you know. Until yeah. his, you know, an untimely death. Dude, it right? gave him some grit. It gave him some. Gravitas. It gave him some grit. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, for sure. And, but again, I, I I do think. I mean, and this is where we might differ. Yeah. I, I mean, I. I loved Mary for how complex her character was, but I hated Mary's character. And so yeah. there's a part of me that like that that almost judged Matthew poorly for falling in love with somebody like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like something about it for somebody like that to fall in love with somebody like that, you have to kind of wonder about about that. About Dude, yeah. Character. And you kind yeah. of you kind of wondered at times, or at least I did, like what does he see in Mary? You know? One hundred percent. What does he see in Mary? Because Matthew seemed like by comparison, such a soft-hearted, kind of innocent dude compared to, you know, the the level of conniving that you got on an episode-by-episode basis from Mary. Because it, yeah, absolutely. And in, in fact, like, if you really look at Matthew's character and Mary's character, if mm-hmm. you just, if you... If you just put them each in their own room, like like you would never put them together. Yeah, like it makes no sense that they would have been together because she wouldn't have liked somebody like that, and he would have never liked somebody like that. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. At the end of the day, so let's let's uh, let's go into a little side category. I want to know from you. Um, you can either go series or movie or both. Your favorite upstairs character and your favorite downstairs character from uh, from either the series or the movie. Oh man, that's a that's a big one. That's a real big one. I think I think if I had to Desert Island, a couple of those characters. Desert Island favorite characters. Yeah, Desert Island abs is what we'll yeah, call it. Man. Yeah. Um, I I would say downstairs for me at the end of the day, I was always most excited when Bates was on screen. Bates is fascinating. I fascinating. just love Bates. To me, that's the character right there. Dude, so much death, um, so much grit, oh. so much gravitas. Yeah. Yeah, just just incredible to me. Just, I mean, and not not a not like a classically like Hollywood leading man character. Yeah, but arguably like really, I mean, you could if somebody said, "Hey, Ronnie," at the end of the day, Bates is the leading man of Downton. Mm-hmm. It's hard to argue, dude. And, and Bates was so great too because he wasn't a 
Like, he's not a conventionally handsome guy by Hollywood standards, but he's very compelling looking. And he just had this, like, depth of, of character and kind of the whole still waters run deep thing. He didn't say a lot, but when he spoke, it, it mattered. Um, I know. And then having that, I mean, just every time him and Anna, I mean, it was just, the, it was just like, it was like the, the Greek tragedy mm, of their lives, mm. man. That's all it was, man. Yeah. Never. I mean, never. I mean, almost until the last episode, everything perpetually went wrong for them. Oh, I right? know it, dude. I know it. So, I mean, that's why, and I love Anna too. So I loved them as a pair. I loved Bates specifically. Upstairs, mm-hmm. um, that's a great question. I think at the end of the day, if, I, if I'm upstairs, I have to go... You know, it, it's probably between uh, Lord Grantham and the uh, Dowager Countess. Oh, I mean, you know, without yeah. it's without Maggie Smith, there is no Downton Abbey. Dude, yeah, in, she's the, the she's the, the straw that stirs the drink. Definitely, one hundred percent. But Lord Grantham, I mean, to me, every time, every time he was on on the screen, man, I I loved seeing him. I loved mm-hmm. hearing him. I loved his reactions to things. I loved the short temper. Yeah, but I loved like the restraint. That yes, he had dude. Too. Dude, the restraint, restraint. the restraint is so cool. And I think it's because yeah, it's we, live in a, we live in a culture with no restraint. Uh, we live in a culture where nobody dresses up, nobody holds their tongue, everybody says everything. Everybody says it in like the most crass, sort of um, hot-takey way possible. Mm-hmm. And I think that show was just a... You know, a 60-minute departure into a world of, of nuance and restraint, which, like, the show itself provides an unbelievable foil to, like, what we're, what we're wading through culturally right now. And, yeah, I think for me, like, upstairs, it's Lord Grantham. You know, yeah. as, I, as I watch through it, I find myself relating to him on so many levels and not because I, you know, am a... a you know, a royal person with, uh, with, with all kinds of money, but just not because, because you're wearing your ascot every day, not because I'm wearing not the ascot every day, baby. And I'm not to be clear, but I think because when you get to be our age, you just have so much crap that you're responsible for. And Grantham did a great job of like portraying that he kind of had the weight of the world on his shoulders, but also not whining about it. Um, he was, he was never yeah, kind of woe yeah. as me about it. And he problem no. solved really well, uh, yeah. but he was real and vulnerable too in that. And he had his his moments of like, I mean, yeah, moral failure, for sure. you know. Yeah, no, for sure. But I, well, I'll tell you what I loved about him was like it was there was all there was always these like what would Lord Grantham do moments, yeah. And like Lord Grantham is a guy that makes every man a better man. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, I think so. So to, so to even like. I mean, to even have, like, situations... If you watch the show as much as we do, mm-hmm. right? There's, like, situations that come up in your life. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you think, dude, I wonder how he would react to this. And then you try to react totally. the way Lord Grantham would dude, react. Dude, totally. Yeah. Like, some, yeah. he gets some horrible bit of bad news. And, like, I know what my knee-jerk reaction is in those moments. Yeah. But, yeah, every once in a while, I'm like, huh, I wonder how Lord Grantham would play this, you know? Um yeah, and he, WWW, LGD. WWLGD. We need to get those bracelets printed, man. Some little rubber yeah. bracelets. I love it. Absolutely. Um, favorite downstairs character for me, um, this is well documented, Mrs. Patmore. Uh, I love me oh, some Mrs. Patmore. She's yeah, an angel to yeah. me. And yeah. Ronald, I got to tell you, they did something in the movie that I got really momentarily excited about, and then they dropped it. Do you remember the scene where... Mrs. Patmore goes to the market to pick up the groceries for the dinner that they're preparing for the royals. And she walks in and she starts to have this banter 
with this guy who's like age appropriate. He's in yes. the same like looks league as Mrs. Patmore. I'm a big believer in leagues and the league system. I know you are too. Like so they're in the same league. He's age appropriate. He seems really nice and he seems like he's kind of showing off for her a little bit. And he's totally. he's kind of trying to woo Mrs. Patmore and I got so like you excited. you kind of thought there was something going on. There was something something going on. Yeah, dude. Night. So I was like finally they're going to let Mrs. Patmore find love and it's going to be so exciting and so satisfying for me and then they just dropped it. And I think I think I mean I think you bring up a good point with that mm-hmm. and I, and I'm with you. I love Mrs. Patmore. Yeah. I mean definitely one of the highlight characters. Totally. I think the problem with the movie in general was they did they had a few of those moments that had to get dropped because they obviously didn't have the time to develop that that storyline because yeah. it's only one one movie instead of like season eight or whatever. Yeah. And so I think I think that was part of the disappointment mm-hmm. is that as much as they tied everything up at the end of the series, there were things like Mrs. Patmore that technically weren't tied up. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just didn't do and anything so, with it. Yeah. So right. So I mean, I don't know. Should they have spent the movie tying up more of those storylines? But then. You know, at the end of the day, Mrs. Patmore is not the most popular character, so they have totally, to go after that. Totally. And um, dude, and maybe so at the I, end of the day, yeah. Barrow isn't the most popular character either. But I just think it would have been the most interesting storyline to have him trying, kind of trying to be the next Carson, and maybe having Carson come alongside him in sort of a like uh, Rocky kind of Creed partnership in the in yes. that he's kind of training him, and it almost becomes a sports movie at that point. Um, <laughs> it, w- it would have been amazing. <laughs> But I, I really, I kind of wanted to see Barrow crush it. I wanted to see him triumph and, uh, and do. Yeah, a good because job. they really, I know they kind of, they kind of put him in a situation where they had to bring Carson back. Yeah, and he kind of just, he kind of backed out, and then he had sort of the whole like you know love affair thing happen. Yeah, and so you kind of, you, you really didn't get anything out of it, and I just felt like, man, I felt like whatever it was, like the writing. Um, it just felt like they didn't know who to emphasize. Yeah. They didn't know like what 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 storyline they needed to bring out the most. Yeah, and it just felt it just lacked so much focus to me. Totally, totally. Now, what they did do well, I thought, was the last like fifteen minutes. One hundred percent. So yeah. this is what I told my group because they asked me, and they're all loving it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I don't want to be the downer right now. Yeah, I said, but. I go. It sounds like a real. It, it, to me, it was kind of a mediocre episode. Yeah. Of just just it, a regular episode at some part some point yep. in the season, and I said the other thing about it is there was no emotion. There was no emotional content in the movie until totally. that last fifteen minutes. Totally, totally. It was devoid of emotion. Dude, I agree. And, the, and there was so much potential for good emotion. I oh, mean, they could 100%. have. They could have really done some things emotionally with it that they that they left on the table. You know, they just left a lot. There was a lot of meat left on that bone uh, at the end. And, um, you know, they did do a nice job. They, they gave us the Carson and Hughes moment at the end. They gave the, the Dowager Countess Mary moment in which they really – they have been building toward Mary in, in all ways, kind of becoming the next Dowager Countess. You know, like ostensibly in another 30 years, like she'll be saying the zingers and – like hobbling around <laughs> ruling everybody with an iron fist which is a fun thing right like as an audience we like that but um but yeah edith didn't get a whole lot of screen time i'm an edith guy um poor edith yeah. just got like crapped yeah. on for pretty much the balance of the whole series until right at the end they they started to like let edie turn things around but the other prevailing kind of emotion that i had as i was watching it and i was watching it both as a as a as a real fan of the series but also as a screenwriter and and you know somebody who like teaches that it, it just occurred to me while watching they just killed too many people off you know mm. like i was watching it going oh like i wish matthew was a part of this or 
like even Sybil as boring as she was, like I kind of wish she was back and and a, and a part of it. And I know it's like contractual, and they thought they were going to be movie stars, and there were all kinds of reasons why they they left the series, but um, totally. it lacked. It had too many bodies. Like there were too many people in it, but they weren't the right people. And right. like when when Mary's quote unquote husband shows up at the end, like the race car guy. Like what he, was that? Yeah, that like was he, the most baffling part of the movie. Right, he comes cruising up at the end of the movie, and I'm I, I literally leaned over to kick in. I'm like, oh, that guy. Like that guy exists. Like and, yeah. Until that point, like I had no idea. I'd forgotten that Mary was married. You know, <laughs> like I forgot. She I had mean, a I, I, it was, I mean that scene. <laughs> I looked over. Yeah, I looked over at Big M, and I'm just like. Was was this the only day he was available and it was like the last day of shooting? Oh, dude, right. So it's like a half-day shoot for that guy. You <laughs> totally. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's so easy. Yeah, that made no sense. Like, that was another one of those things where you're just like, dude, I have no idea what anybody's thinking with yeah. this right now. Yeah, like, here's a guy we don't care about who's married yeah, to Mary. Yeah, and, and we didn't even care about him when he was in – I mean, he yeah. was not a – he did not play a big role in, in anything until the end when he married yeah. married Mary, obviously. But, but yeah, I think that, that was that kind of that um, – there was just that there was that sense of disconnect all the way through like that. Yeah. You know, where like you just I mean, it definitely kept you on your toes because the whole thing was so discombobulated. You didn't really know what was going to happen next and you were kind of surprised all the way through it. Yeah. You were surprised by by almost like just sort of the almost the you were surprised by the lack of surprise yeah. because every time something happened it would be like why would they do that? Why did they do that? Dude, here's you another know? here's another like choice that they made that I totally didn't get. But it did provide the one scene in the movie that was kind of exciting. Um, it, but it was a totally, like, it was almost like a screwball, like, 80s comedy scene. Uh, it was the whole Mr. Mosley thing. Totally. Where, yeah, Mosley was cringy. He was this, like, third or fourth tier character in the series um, that you were always kind of, like, rolling your eyes at. But they gave him, they gave him like, half the movie. Like, half the movie was about Mosley. Seriously. I'm like, what are we even doing here? This guy, like, nobody cared about him on the on the series. And he kind of does that cringe, that cringy, like, screwball 80s comedy moment where he's, where he's <laughs> serving dinner. And, um, yeah, it was just weird, man. I didn't hate yeah, that he, scene, but it was just a weird moment. No, I know, but it felt, like, wasted to me. Yeah. Because, yeah, because, yeah. But I, but here's what, here's, I was talking to somebody about this, and it was, like, when they, when they have to make, like, a, a feature length of mm-hmm. something like that, I feel like what they do is they take everybody's character and they make them the most exaggerated version of themselves. So, like, the Dowager Countess... Her whole—I mean, her all every her entire dialogue was just one-liners. Yeah, you know, dropping those like funny, sarcastic, outrageous one-liners. Mosley, who is just kind of like a just kind of this goofy guy that's all fingers and thumbs. That's yeah. all. That, like they just completely exaggerate that. Yeah, you know, they get Tom Branson, who's like the real level-headed guy. Yeah, all he's doing is dropping wisdom. Dude, it's you know, caricatures. The whole, like they went with all these caricatures, flat yeah. one-dimensional one-dimensional caricatures for the movie when. What made the series so brilliant was the opposite, right? So in the in the series, you had these really sort of impeccably drawn characters with multi dimensions, and like Barrow being the great example of that, right? So he he starts out as kind of this villainous dirtbag, and then by the end of the series, he's sympathetic, and um, you know there were all kinds of characters like that. I think I think Mary had the opposite arc. Like Mary started out very dirtbag and, and villainous, mm-hmm. and then as the series went on, you were kind of like more of a more on board with her like i think you started to appreciate everything she had to deal with and um you saw that she was kind of a she was kind of a mashup of of the good qualities of her dad and and the dowager countess no she was and that i mean i think that's i think that's a good point what's interesting about mary is they had nothing to villainize her with in the movie yeah so she was completely vanilla she was all the way yeah she was vanilla and really like her only function was to sort of trail barrow 
or not Barrow, uh, Branson. Because remember, yeah. you had that whole thing like, oh, is Branson a? Is he going to try to bomb the the royal family or do some right, right. some goofy yeah. like protest move? Which again, what was totally like, what do you? T- that was Barrow. Like, that, I mean, that was Branson like ten years ago, dude. Right, but Branson so, had already like dealt with all that stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Branson was exactly. no longer like the angry college sophomore. That yeah, he the was revolutionary. The, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, exactly. he was a he was a middle aged guy with kids and a level head by that point. But yeah, he's not the guy that's going to like kneel during the national anthem. You know, and they oh, put him exactly. <laughs> Put him yeah, into yeah. that total situation. <laughs> oh, I love it. Crazy. Man. I love it. Thoroughly enjoyed it, though. Like, even though it was bad, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was sort of like, do you, did you ever watch wrestling as a kid? Do you ever go through, like, a wrestling I phase? never did, man. I never did. Yeah, I equated it to, like, there was this wrestler, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, who was a huge star in, like, the 80s and, and a little bit of the 90s. But for the last decade, even though Ric Flair is, like, 70, they still put a robe on him once a year, and they, like, trot him out, and they bring him down the aisle, and they let him, quote-unquote, wrestle a match that goes, like, a minute and a half, and he does, like, one thing, and then it's over. But everybody loves it because it's Ric Flair. Um, yeah. And you get to see him in the costume, and you get to see him say his, like, signature line, and uh, that's what I, that's what this movie was, I think. It was just, like, one more chance to see everybody in the costumes and do their lines. And Dude, the Downton Abbey movie, to me, it could have been two and a half hours of just Carson and Hughes living their lives. I would watch yeah, that. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Dude, I would watch them, like, yeah. tending their Garden and walk into the totally. market. Doing not literally doing nothing. Literally doing nothing. Like I want to see talking. what their I want to see what their evenings look like. Like what's a, yeah. what's an evening like for Carson and Hughes? You know, are they reminiscing? Uh, yeah, are they talking about like the old days at Downton? Or you yeah, know, there's no there's no television. They're not Dude, watching there's Downton no TV. Abbey. They're they, yeah, they're reading or they're they're like <laughs> they're not watching masterpiece classics. Dude, man. I know. So I was I was kind of hoping in the movie theater they would drop the whole. Remember the Laura Lenny intro. Oh, I would love. I love the Lord. It's not Downton until I see Lord. Dude, I know, up there doing, I know it. And, uh, and this is masterpiece classic. I know, and I, I so wished that they would have like just dropped Epic. that onto the beginning, but they didn't. I, I I talked to somebody. So this is interesting, Matt. I want to get your take on this. Yeah. I talked to somebody who was con- a couple people actually who who are convinced that they left it wide open for Downton feature film number two yeah i think so man i i I, they're not wrong like i mean i think there just wasn't crushed it at the box office too it's done really well yeah dude i mean so so many people love the thing so yeah it wouldn't surprise me if they did another one honestly and and they could kind of keep unraveling the the ball of yarn that is mary's character and and what becomes of downton and the really interesting thing about a context like downton and they, they did a wise thing by leaning into this during the series even was just the whole motif of what happens to this as the world gets more modern and mm-hmm. as more people get more at odds with like the divide between rich and poor and the whole like mm-hmm. quote unquote we would call it social justice thing. I don't know what they Which was it always then, the theme going yeah, through it. It was always kind of the, the theme. theme. It was yeah. like the world's changing. You know, I remember when they got their first like phone uh, when they when they got their first radio, right? So they, yeah. they're getting all wigged out by this technology. Electricity. Yeah, cars. Like when Matthew yeah. rolled up in the car for the first time, it was a huge deal. Yeah. So um, I think they could keep going with that. I mean, they could just keep walking that out. Um, how do we though? Here's my here's my problem. My question mm-hmm. though, man, is how mm-hmm. do we how do we have Downton without Maggie Smith? And they mm-hmm. set that one up pretty badly for her continuing. Dude, they did. You know? Yeah, yeah. And she must have made it clear, like I don't want to like, do this. Is it? Yeah, I'm, I'm not done. doing another yeah. one of these. And yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they I, set that. They were clear on that. But I mean, I don't. I don't know how. I mean, I mean, she is so she is like central to almost every. 
yeah. scene in almost every character she plays. Yeah. I mean, that's how important her character is, is where everybody else's character almost needs her character to be who they are. Yeah, she was such a force. It was almost like... It was like the Bulls when Jordan retired for a minute the first time, and, and like you would watch the Bulls and you'd see them in their red jerseys, and you go, "Well, technically that's the Bulls," but like, where's Jordan? You know? Yeah, and even uh, I know enough about that to know that. Yeah, right? so, so it's like it's you're like, not watching yeah. a Bulls game when when Jordan's off playing baseball; you're watching something else. So right, um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's I don't gonna know. be tough. Yeah, I don't it's know how they tough. replace that sizzle. You know, she was just such because a, then you got because then you got Mrs. Uh, I'm sorry, you got Isabel. Yeah, you got cousin Isabel. So what is cousin Isabel without? Without the uh, the Dowager Countess, you know, dude. What now I mean? cousin like, how Isabel, does that even work? She's brilliant. She's a, I she's love a cousin great, Isabel. One of my favorite. Dude, she's a favorite. great actress. She has a great face for what yeah, they were does. asking her to do. She was the ultimate like. Because she's her, brilliant. Yeah, her smugness matched that of the Dowager Countess. It was just totally. A, it was a different brand of smugness. It was a different vein of smugness. It was a different right. vein of smugness, and it was really fun to watch. So yeah, if you don't have the Dowager, like. Who are you yeah. being smug at if you're if you're her? Yeah, there's, there's yeah, I don't know. There's a lot I don't of problems know, they're gonna have to address, man, and just a lot of issues they'll have to 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 kind of spin out there if they if they do another one of these. But why did they? What did we find out? Here's what's interesting, man. Yeah. So let's go back to this for for our final minutes here. But yeah. I always think it's fascinating when you have a show that like hits it way bigger than anybody thought. Yeah, and then you have some of its stars bowing out early because they think they have the big film career, and then they don't have the big film career yeah right? yeah so we're talking like matthew we're talking sybil like it didn't really happen for them yeah um and so it's fascinating to think like what would have happened number one if they would have stayed and number two why did they end the series yeah that's a great question um because i think the series was still popping it was still like Oh, well, totally. Drawing a whole bunch yeah. of viewers and making money or whatever, however you make money at PBS. But, um, but yeah, it was really successful. And, yeah, it's funny. Like, I could have – this is easy for me to say, and you probably agree. But I feel like I could have told you from a mile away that Matthew wasn't going to be a movie star. Like, he just doesn't have – he doesn't have leading man qualities, but he's not, like, ugly and quirky enough to be a character actor. So there's kind of no right. place for him in the movies. Um, yeah. You know, he's not Brad Pitt, so he's not going to be doing leading man stuff. But he's well, also- I would say even more accurate, he's like not Hugh Grant. And yeah. like everybody's looking for the next Hugh Grant. And it's like that was a long time ago. Totally. Having that major romantic English yeah. you know, like leading man. I don't, he's not that either. But No, totally not. So, so yeah, like I feel like his agent should have said, look, you know, lean into this Downton Abbey thing. Ride this pony for as long as it lasts. And, you know, maybe they wrapped it Big R because they – they realized they killed off too many characters and there were too many characters that nobody cared about anymore and they, they, they kind of just tied it off. And I, I want to talk about the last episode of the series because I know mm. there was some like critical pushback on that. I loved it. I love that they sort of tied everything off with a bow and gave everybody a happy ending. And like even I thought it was great. I thought it was thought great it was too. Really even good. Edith's life yeah. stopped sucking for a minute, and they they gave her kind of a happy thing. And um, well, Edith kind of becomes like the ruler of like you know the ruler of England basically. You know, yeah. at the end of the series. I mean, I, I mean, you know, one of the, I mean, there you know, commentators will tell you people that write about Downton will say actually the the entire series was about Edith. Yeah, if you break it down, that's fascinating. Yeah. That's There's like fascinating. theories about like really Downton. If you want to, if you can, re- like, if you were to tell somebody in like, if you had one minute to talk about Downton Abbey, they would say it all boils down to Edith <laughs> and what happened to Edith. Dude, I love that. There's like Downton Abbey scholars out there. 
Absolutely. We need to become those. Like, I, I'm are, an academia. I believe we I can, are like, those. I can BS my way into being a Downton Abbey scholar. Dude, do you think Union would ever want to do, like, a Downton Abbey, like, like, like elective? Like a visiting, can, a visiting like professor. Like, you can bring of, me out, and then yeah. we can just, like, we can, like, just, like, literally, like, vamp on it for, like, an hour. Yeah, dude, we could be professors and residents of Downton Abbey. We can do a whole semester, you know? And we could, like, dra- we could, like, dra- we could go in costume and the whole Dude, thing. I remember when, do you remember the movie The Big Lebowski? The bowling yeah. movie? Dude, I remember there were like, you know, a smug like English profs back in the day who were like, "I'm going to make a whole career out of Big Lebowski," you know, and like yeah. postmodernism in the Big Lebowski, and they're writing these white papers and they're writing these like quote unquote books that four people read, and like I, I know guys who made careers out of the Big Lebowski. Oh, dude, Big Lebowski was like a cultural moment. Oh yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a cultural moment if like academics are finding a way to BS a career out of it. Yeah, um, yeah, and I wonder if we could do the same thing for Downton. Not, like I nothing mean, would make I, me yeah. happier. I mean, I think I think the problem with that is like finding like college kids that are interested. Yeah. in, in, in Downton Abbs, dude, and there aren't I mean? many, man. I can tell you, there no, <laughs> there aren't too many because I've been, I've yeah, been I mean, like it, I've been trying to talk about it in my classes, and and they're yeah. not having it. It's falling on deaf ears, isn't it? I yeah, mean, you're just like you're struggling, aren't dude, you, dude? I'm struggling. It's falling on deaf ears, and I'm, I'm like, I gotta go. Has anybody? Have you met one student that has seen the movie, dude? A couple, yeah, a couple. Okay. But they're not were, even like that invested, right? No, they're, they're not, not they're, that invested. They don't care. They as had much to as go because they were going with somebody who made them go. And yeah, you know. yeah, that kind of thing, man. I mean, there's just no, there's not the, well, and and at the risk of sounding like an 85 year old man here, I mean, I, I think our college students are m- like most where, like, if they're going to the movies, they're going to see a a Marvel, you know, adaptation, or you know, they're going to see some big kind of. Well, I hope not because there's not a lot of those movies being made right now, baby. I mean, they're, I mean, they're going to be waiting a long time to see another Marvel. Oh, they just saw three of them today. Yeah, they just saw three new. of them last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of demand uh, in in that age group for uh, for dress dresses and English nobility. It's a more refined movie experience. Maybe it's it like is. being it's a cat owner. It's a more refined way of living life. You know. You know what? And why don't we com- Why don't we just um, to to wrap this up? Why don't we compare that? Mm-hmm. The way it needs to be compared with Downton being what cat owners. Dude, Downton um, is the house cat of movies. You know, it's a hundred percent. It's house quiet. Cat of it's pleasant to look at. Um, it's it do, it's not demanding. It doesn't demand a whole it's lot not of demanding. you. But it's, it's you it's, have to earn its love. Yeah, you kind of have to earn its affection. Like nobody in that movie was given their affection away easily. No, besides, no, no, besides no, no, Sybil. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, Sybil, you just wave like a wrench and a you know some rebellion in front of her, and she's. She's she's in. She's charging at it like a bull. She's in. Yeah, she's in. But <laughs> but the rest of them, you know, you kind of had to earn it. And um, I, I think that's what's that's what's great about the show. So yeah, man, um, Downton Abbey, man, it's it's the cat of of television shows. The cat of TV. This is the cat. It's I feel the, like I feel like the, the happy kitty rant, cat of all. Yeah. The happy rant, and specifically this episode, is is the the kitty cat of podcasts. How badly? Let's just talk about this for one second, just for yeah. the sake of our fans. How. How badly is uh, is Pipe going to hate this app? Dude, Piper's going to go through the roof when he realizes we went off script and we just talked down Nabby and House Cats for forty five. This minutes. could literally just this could chase him out of the rant. I mean, this he might just never come back. Do you feel like it could drive app. him away from the rant? I think it could drive him away. I mean, he could just be like, I can't do this. He might like call. He might get a hold of you on Monday and say, Dude, we need to do like sixteen sports apps like on <laughs> Thursday. Yeah, we need to go around the clock. We're going twenty four hour sports apps, man. Nonstop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because this is. This is about the least pipe app that we could have possibly done. Dude, man. it really is. I want, I want Pipe to like this, though. Like, I want him to give Downton Abbey a chance. Do you think Pipe's new... Um, I, I don't mm, know. I know what you're going to say. Ri- I, I yeah, know what you're going to say. At risk yeah. of going too public. But uh, yeah. 
Pipe, yeah. Pipe's new uh, association with. Is, do you think she's a Downton Abbey fan? I think. I think the problem with Pipe is he's like he's like a thirty-eight-year-old going on fifty-eight-year-old guy, yeah. and like I think, I think he's like he's. He's the most like set in his ways, thirty-eight year old. I think. Dude, I know. he's you very know what I mean? set in his ways. Yeah, he's very like yeah determined about about his likes and dislikes. And like he just he knows where he's at. He knows what he likes. He knows what he doesn't like. And I yeah. And I think when we ha- and I think when we're doing you know episode like two thousand five hundred and sixteen in twenty years, like pipes get, like you're, it's nothing's going to have changed. Yeah. Like pipes going to be pipe. Pipes going to pipe, man. That's just what we know about pipe. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be pipe. Absolutely. He's. He's that guy. So, uh, so you're not seeing Pipe at any point. You, so, like, what we're not ever going to hear from Pipe, baby, is like him like getting on an app one day and saying, "Dude, I just started season one of Downton Abbey." That's yeah. not going to happen. He's not going to come to the Downton Abbey like theme party that we throw as a part of. Oh, our next... are you kidding? No, I mean not even. Close. Baby, we should do this as a part of our next live show. We should do an after party that's Downton Abbey themed. A Downton Abbey themed after party. Come dressed I mean, as your favorite we're... character. We'll have some absolutely have some guys in tuxedos serving dinner. You know, like, that's like what a we gentleman. need to do. And baby, you already have your ascot. You're ready to roll. I got my ascot. I'm ready to roll. I get my dinner jacket. You know, that's what I'm saying. I'll have to have my footman like get some, you know, get some stains out of it. Sew on some buttons, but uh, but I'll I'll be ready to go, man. Let me ask you this, man. Yeah. Was there ever an app that you watched of Downton Abbey that you just didn't dream of of having like one week in Lord Grantham's shoes? Yes and no, in the sense that, and I think it's because of what we talked about before. Like, yes, on the level of. You know, you look at all the opulence and all the kind of, you know, just to have an experiential moment, just to have the experiential moment of like, what would a day in this kind of context look like? But then realizing, wait a minute, I do have that experience because and this is not unique. Right. But I've got two kids who I'm constantly like problem solving for and I'm I'm their (laughs) sounding board on stuff. And I got a wife and, and same deal, you know, just regular like. Married couple stuff of, of talking about work and conflicts and interpersonal things that are happening with each of us. And, and then you realize, like, I am living that lifestyle just minus the money and the fame <laughs> and the opulence that, that Lord Grantham gets to enjoy each day, you know? So it's, it's, every, it's everything like Downton except nothing like Downton on any level. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You take, you take away all the money, all the fame. <laughs> All the servants, all the prepared meals, and, and Lord Grantham and I are... We're baby, I love it. You're like, baby, the thing is, is my life is exactly like Downton, with the exception of it's it nothing not like Downton, Downton on any level. So I'm perfectly satisfied with never walking one foot in Lord Grantham's shoes. No, not one. Baby, can I say one more thing about the Lord, the, the actor that portrays Lord Grantham? Oh, dude, yeah. Um, he's in another one of my favorite British movies, and it's the movie Notting Hill. Have you seen Notting Hill? I have, but I, don't, I, I never knew he was in it. Dude, charming little movie. So he plays um, Hugh Grant's, you know, it's kind of an ensemble, and Hugh Grant's got that big, oh, that big group yeah. of buddies, yeah, and he plays yeah. this, this character called Bernie, who's like an unsuccessful like investment guy. And he walks into the dinner party, and uh, they're like, how was work, Bernie? And he's like, oh, you know, millions down the drain, you know? And they're like, oh, well done, (laughs) you know? And he has this great scene where he's opposite uh, Julia Roberts. And in the movie, Julia Roberts plays a wildly successful actress. She's basically playing herself. And Bernie doesn't recognize who she is. And, um, you know, he he asks her, he's like, what do you do for a living? And she's like, I'm an actress. And he's like, oh, you know, the, the... the pay is, is is scandalous, isn't it? You know, and and he's like, "What did you make for your last picture?" And she's like, 
8.2 billion dollars and he's like oh well done you know uh he's just got these he's got a few amazing scenes and it was the young version of of lord grantham but he was he was really great. was he just like sort of a uh was he sort of a, just like a character actor before yeah. before downton i think he was totally just a british movie character actor okay um which speaking of there's one british actor who i absolutely love who i'd love to see like incorporated into the downton universe maybe to fall in love with matthew's mom um, cousin Violet, and that's uh, Bill Nagy. Are you a Bill Nagy fan? Oh yeah, remind me. Yeah, I mean, I, the name's in my head, but I did you see old guy? Pick. He was in Love Actually. He was in oh uh, right, right, right. Uh, yeah. An old person movie called The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, which we loved. yeah one hundred percent. Yeah, um, he would have been perfect in that. Super man. charming man. He could have been somebody's love interest, dude. He could have been the Dowager Countess's love interest. Yeah, is he? Yeah, he's old enough, right? He's old. Yeah. He's about her age, man. Okay. He would crush that. He would absolutely yeah. crush that, but. dude. I mean, how? I mean, how hashtag blessed are we, dude? Mm. That that Maggie made it through the entire, like you know, dude. Ma- I love Max. Downton Legacy, dude. Max was yeah. a she was amazing in those Best Exotic Marigold Hotel movies too. Basically, well, she's just amazing. Basically, just playing the, the same person, show. like a, a really cranky but super clever old lady. That's what's so fascinating is when you get to like when you get to a certain age as an actor, you just literally get to play yourself from that point on. That must be an amazing place to be. Like dude, like you, you ever see like if you ever watch like Robert Duvall now, it's like dude, mm-hmm. like I, I don't know that he's ever not just been Robert Duvall, you know. Yeah, no, like you're in right. every movie. Baby, yeah. you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about how when this app drops, there's this, there's going to be a large percentage of people who hate it. You know, like all the oh, all the broy kind of dudes are going to be like, oh, eye roll. Totally. You know, Ted and Ron right. talking. To, they, they, you know what's going to happen? They're going to clamor for Pipe's return, and it's going to make Pipe feel really good. It's true, which is good. It's true. I like that for my friends. Yeah, you know, Pipe's going to be hyped, man. Yeah, we're going to hype Pipe. Well, just yeah, you know? by nature of doing this, like X number of people are going to hate it, and and therefore uh, we're going to. Do you think? How many people do you think are going to make it up to this point of us even talking about whether they're going to make it up to this point? Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to move this to the beginning. And if if Resonate Recordings actually listen to the episodes, we could we could have them move this up to the top. But the problem um, is they're not even going to want to get to the end. They're no, they're not going to get to the, the end. end. I think only and I think the, you still got a you still got a pump dwell Bible app too. By the yeah, way, yeah, I do, so. man. I'm going to do that quickly and then I got to hop. But uh, but yeah, I don't know that a lot of people who are non Downton people are going to make it this far. But uh, Big R, I want to thank everybody for making it this far. So if you absolutely if you've listened through the entirety of the program and you enjoy Downton Abbey, we want to thank you for being a part of this discussion. Uh, with by you, we mean the two uh, senior, <laughs> senior, senior ladies yeah, that yeah. become Happy Rant fans in the last two years. No, I love it, man. I love it. And, and we got to do shows that cater to them once in a while. We so do. We care about you. That's what this we has care been. About you. This has been us serving you and also us serving ourselves in the sense that this is what we wanted to talk about. But, baby, I want to talk about a sponsor that I really, really love. I know you love these folks, too. Uh, they do great media work in the area of like audio Bible reading. So it's the mm. Dwell Bible app. Uh, we have worked with Dwell in the past. We're in a current long-term relationship with Dwell. Uh, I feel like we've moved past talking with Dwell and like we're actually dating. So like we're going out mm. on it, like it's a standing thing Friday and Saturday nights. We don't even have to like set it up in advance that we're hundred percent. We're yeah. we're just with Dwell and people know. We it. don't even have to talk anymore. We're just yeah. together all the time. We're shouting it from the rooftops that we're with Dwell, and we're actually offering a special discount uh, just for Happy Rant listeners. So if you go to dwellbible.io slash Happy Rant. Dwellbible.io slash happy rent, you can get a 33% percent 
discount on your subscription to Dwell Bible. So Dwell Bible, uh, what they do, they have all kinds of different listening plans where you can listen through the Bible in a year. Um, you can have people of different like voice styles and nationalities read the Bible to you. Um, yeah, I really love it because it sounds like the scripture readers at Tim Keller's church. You know how you listen to a Timmy K sermon and the the reader is always like a totally like a guy who majored in theater twenty years ago and in, in I always you. feel like it's a teenage girl yeah or it's but, a teenage yeah. girl who's a th- current theater student in college right. and <laughs> it's like somebody backstage told them okay read it but with emotion you know with emo- <laughs> always with emotion more emotion you know pretend like you're auditioning yeah pretend like this is Carnegie Hall and you're you're auditioning for the show of a lifetime you know. <laughs> Um, so you can get that motif or you can get like a boring guy reading it. And uh, either way, it's a really great experience. Uh, I listen to Dwell. It's a great thing to just throw on in, in the car, in the bathroom as you're getting ready in the morning. And uh, we love this product. So dwellbible.io slash happy rant, 33% discount on mm. subscription. And Ronald, we have uh, we've come to the end. We've wandered to and fro. Uh, the one thing that connects me to Downton Abbey physically, I feel, and I know you're going to agree with this, is my bag. Um, so our bag situation is is akin to that of a character on Downton Abbey, I think, and an upstairs character in terms of what we're. Oh, it's definitely upstairs. Let's be honest. Yeah, let's let's be honest. So in terms of what we're carrying around on our shoulders on a day to day basis, and I don't mean our responsibilities, I mean our our dazzling seven hundred dollar shoulder bags. So thank you to Saddleback Leather, thank you to Dwell Bible, and until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.